the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. I'm Tim Descher, and this is Heritage Explains. The president has been killed. Okay, we're going to begin with breaking news out of Chad, where the army's announced President Idris Deby has been killed. The army says he was leading soldiers fighting rebels on the front line. Deby had just won re-election and was one of Africa's longest-serving leaders. Chad's army is currently combating rebel forces. They have launched an assault on the capital in Jemena. President Deby was expected to win a sixth term in office following elections on April the 11th. At just 37 years old, Mohamed Deby is the new face of Chad. As a young general, he was in charge of his father's security detail. Now, following Idris Deby's death, his son has been thrust into the spotlight as the head of the country's transitional military council. It's the story hardly anyone in America is talking about. The long-serving president of Chad, Idris Deby, was killed while visiting the front lines of battle against rebel forces. After 30 years as president and several attempts to overthrow his regime, President Deby's death has been controversial within Chad and the surrounding region in Africa. France 24 was able to capture some citizen reaction. From a security point of view, the president played an important role. And now we're already seeing some instability. So we're worried about his sudden death. They're already talking about the dissolution of parliament. We have a constitution, so in my opinion, it's a coup d'etat. With talk about instability and coup attempts, Conflict seems imminent. But Chad is no stranger to conflict. I'm sure you've seen photos and videos of Toyota trucks with mounted anti-aircraft missile launchers and machine guns driving through the desert with soldiers hanging off of them. Well, these famous Toyota wars against insurgents represent decades of struggle for the Chadian people. All of this while trying to keep in good standing with Western allies who support them and successfully push back against Muslim extremism. Strife is seemingly a constant problem in Chad. So who was President Deby and what is his legacy? Was this a coup attempt in order to circumvent the will of the Chadian people? Why should Americans care? Josh Maservi is a senior policy analyst focusing on Africa here at the Heritage Foundation. On this episode, he explains why Chad is a vitally important country in what is arguably considered the world's most volatile region. More after this. It's because of support from listeners like you that we can continue to produce podcasts like Heritage Explains and SCOTUS 101. And you can help us keep it up by going to www 
www.heritage.org slash podcast today to make your tax-deductible gift. Josh Maservi, in your recent piece in The Daily Signal, you called this a fast-moving and murky situation, which I, I got to say, it's hilarious. You know, it seems like every time I talk with you, it involves a murky situation. It seems like you exclusively deal in murky situations. <laughs> uh, yeah, that might be a fair way to frame it. I think part of that is just because there's... Well, one, there, there's a lot of conflict, of course, that I that I track on on a continent as large as Africa with as many uh, sort of unstable countries. You you do get a fair amount of conflict, but it's also conflicts that occur in really remote areas sometimes where there are very very few journalists. So you have to rely on sort of sketchy, uh, you know, Twitter feeds or statements from. Uh, not disinterested parties, let's say, uh, parties that are trying to spin one way or the other. So, yeah, it can be really murky. You've done such a great job on this, and and it caught my attention because, you know, uh, it's not every day that a president gets killed. And and the long-serving president of Chad, um, he's he was visiting the front lines. There's a there's a fight going on. We'll get into that. There's a rebel army that's threatening um, uh, the the government of the established government of Chad. Uh, he went to the front lines, and then the next thing you know, uh, international headlines say the, the the leader is is dead. So just catch us up here. Maybe give us um, before we before we get into that. Maybe give us a short Wikipedia. We'll call it a Maservapedia uh, intro for Chad for those who who have no context. Yeah, I like that. Um, let's <laughs> let's get that copyrighted. We're going to be billionaires here. Um, yeah, so Chad is hugely important country. If people can visualize an Africa map, it's sort of smack dab in the middle of what we call the Sahel region, which is where the Saharan desert meets sub-Saharan Africa. It's a large country, a former French colony, gained independence in 1960. Uh, has had a really tumultuous history ever since um, the current president, well, I, the now deceased president uh, who ruled for 30 years, he himself came to power in a coup and spent much of his tenure fighting off uh, armed challenges and internal coups. So very tumultuous, but really, really important. They have a pretty competent military that, again, resides in a very volatile part of Africa with a lot of terrorism and other sorts of instability. And the Chadian armed forces have been a big part of trying to fight, uh, especially terrorism, in that region. So, and, so let, me just, let me just stop you right here, and, and mm-hmm. because, cause again, this is so complex. So um, Idris Deby is his name. Yes. He's, he's the former president. He was there for 30 years. Um, and, and there was a lot that took place before he became the president. I mean, they had a big conflict with Libya, mm-hmm. um, where Libya took some of uh, Chad's land, and Chad was able to get that back from them. He came in, and again, for 30 years. Was it stable during his uh, 30-year tenure? No, it wasn't. It was quite the opposite, frankly. Okay. So, Debbie is a fascinating leader for many reasons. He led for 30 years, which is a really, really long time, obviously, even by African standards where you get some of these long-serving presidents. And that would suggest that he oversaw some sort of pacific, peaceful um, country to last that long, but it's really the opposite. He It mm. was a hugely um, 
tumultuous uh, three decades that he was in power. He was constantly beating back uh, rebel incursions of the type uh, like this latest one. Uh, maybe the the most um, even as recently as 2019, uh, the French had to intervene to strike a rebel column that was headed towards the capital of Injamina. Hmm. Uh, the French have actually intervened on a number of occasions uh, to to protect him. And then again, he's had to face down coups and other sorts of internal challenges. So he was an extraordinary survivor uh, to to last for 30 years in that context is Let really me- something. Let me ask you this. So, um, when, when I was prepping for this, I saw these some of these rebel groups claim that they were pro-democracy hmm. groups. Now, of course, that sounds you know obviously pro-democracy. That that sounds great. But um, and but but as you mentioned, you know, France uh, defended Debbie, um, and many other people in the international community said that well, he's he's stability. So, hmm. is there sort of a is there sort of a uh, um, a trade-off there that that we're saying, okay, well, it may not be as pro-democratic as it could be, but at least it's stable. To, to, you know, mm-hmm. reconcile that a little bit. Yeah, you've put your finger right on the crux of the eternal dilemma in in Africa and other parts of the world, but this seems to happen most frequently in Africa, where you have rulers of the type like Debbie who do things that very much violate the United States uh, ideals and and principles around Mm -hmm. things like democracy, uh, human rights, other things, but they are important to American interests. They do perform a valuable service for US interests. So you oftentimes get these colliding American interests uh, and Chad and Debbie is a really good example of that. He the the argument, yes, oftentimes boils down to, okay, we have this problematic guy who does all these things we dislike, but he brings a certain level of stability and holds things together. Hmm. And and I think that's a legitimate argument to make. Now it's it's impossible to prove the counterfactual, right? Because some people will argue, well, these dictatorships are inherently unstable themselves. And I think the, and there's some truth to that. They, they hold things together until they don't, until it all collapses in, in like a house of cards. And we see that, we've seen that many, many times um, in Africa and elsewhere. So, okay, President Debbie is killed. He goes to the front lines. He says, hey, troops, I'm here. We're going we're gonna to beat these, um, these rebels back um, who are coming down from Libya. Libya's in the north. He gets killed. And then the next thing you know, the 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 his his son they is taking over his position. Can you explain a little bit of, of of what's happening here now that he is he is dead? Sure. So, yes, his son, uh, thirty seven years old, four star general um, named Muhammad, uh, has been declared the president of the country and the leader of the armed forces. Did they vote uh, for that? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, so what happened was after Debbie's death was announced, the military um, said that they there was going to be a transitional military council formed um, of Muhammad would lead it and um, he would be the leader of the armed forces, as I said. Now, this is not constitutional. Um, in the mm-hmm. Constitution, it says that the speak in this 
uh, sort of contingency where the president has died in office, the Speaker of Parliament would become head of state um, until other elections could be held and choose the next head of state. The very thin justification that the military used and which the French have have repeated as a justification is that the the uh, Speaker of Parliament declined to become the head of state. Now, hmm. that was probably wise of him, let me say, um, in this sort of context. Uh, I, I assume he was under quite a bit of pressure from uh, men with with the means to make him suffer if, if he didn't go along. So we have Debbie's son is, is now in charge and he is going to lead the country for 18 months when supposedly there will be an election. You talk about Chad being a vitally important country mm-hmm. in, in what may be, like you say, Africa, you know, one of the most volatile regions maybe in the entire world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot going on there. Talk a little bit more about why, um, as the you know, as the rebels are saying, hey, this is a coup. Um, as as a lot of you know, other people from the outside are saying, we 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 have to have stability here. Why is Chad so important in the region? Yeah. It, it, so if if we can picture an Africa map in our minds here, um, and you look at just Chad's neighbors, and I, I say this in the piece, I actually pulled the numbers on this. Um, the neighbor that performs best on the uh, Fund for Peace's Fragile States Index, the most recent one, is Libya, which oh, wow. just emerged from a civil war. There's a very tenuous ceasefire that is keeping the violence largely at bay between the two main combatants, although there's lots of other smaller flare-ups throughout the Hmm. country where there's no meaningful government presence. Uh, That's the country that performs best on that index, okay? And and they are 20th most fragile in the world. So that gives you a sense, right, uh, of the neighborhood that Chad is in. Now, If we broaden that out and think about the Sahel region, which I mentioned at the very beginning here, the Sahel has been the site of uh, the largest increase in terrorist violence in the world uh, over the last several years. Um, There, just to give a little bit of context, uh, traditionally there was one active uh, terrorist organization there. That's Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, which uh, is a rebranded Algerian terrorist organization. Uh, and they've been around for decades in, in that region. But they were traditionally, as I said, the only one. Now, today, depending on how you count, um, you could count nine terrorist organizations in the Sahel. Hmm. So it's been a massive explosion, both of the number of terrorist groups, but also the violent incidents. And it's happened very, very quickly. So Burkina Faso is the case study that everybody uses now. Not many years ago, and I mean like five years ago, they had virtually no terrorism. Today, they're one of the countries most affected by terrorism in the entire world. Um, And that happened again in about five years. Mm -hmm. So this is the neighborhood that Chad is in. And these are the sorts of conflicts that Chadian forces are involved in. So they are Mm -hmm. part of the UN peacekeeping operation in northern Mali, um, northern central Mali. Uh, They are part of the G5 Sahel security group of countries that are also fighting uh, terrorist organizations. They are 
a member of the multinational joint task force, which is fighting Boko Haram and oh. Islamic State West Africa province in northeast uh, Nigeria. So they're, I mean, they are just fighting on many, many fronts against a bunch of very dangerous organizations that the U.S. Hmm. and the rest of the world really wants to see defeated. How has the Biden administration responded, if they have even? Yeah, it's been um, muted, I would say, uh, unsurprisingly so. I expect that the administration is is struggling a bit, as is everybody, with trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. Hmm. Because not only do you have the, the rebel incursion uh, from, from Libya, it, it's unclear how close they got to the capital of Injamina. It's unclear where they are right now. They've they've apparently been scattered. Potentially, they might be in Niger. Uh, they might still be in in um, northern Chad. So th so there's that element. But then there's the internal element as well. The it wasn't just the political opposition that opposed this announcement that uh, Idris Deby's son was going to be taking leadership. Hmm. Uh, there was also elements of the military that said they did not agree with this move. And that's concerning, right, as well, because yeah. in a country like Chad, that has a history of coups or attempted coups, uh, where the military really is the kingmaker, it's mm. concerning when you start to see schisms appearing in yeah. that sort of institution. So, and, and that's, you know, that's palace politics. It's incredibly opaque, super, very, very hard to figure out what are the dynamics, what are the power centers, who, what are the groups, who are the leaders of, of the potential groups that are dissatisfied because, uh, you know, Idris's son, um, he does have support within the military. Now he, he was a legit fighter, right? Like, uh, sure. he fought in, in a number of different, uh, conflicts and mm -hmm. he built up a, uh, some real legitimacy within elements of the military, but he also led the, um, you know, the palace guard, the presidential guard, which is essentially a Praetorian guard for Idris Deby. Sure. Uh, and that's a distinct, discrete unit. So hmm. how far does his legitimacy um, and credibility extend within the military? Uh, who, how powerful are those who are dissenting to this are all open questions, I think. And hmm. they're really important to getting our arms around before we can be really, really confident in, I think, the, any policies, new policies we might try to adopt. Josh, this is extremely murky, and mm -hmm. you're, you're great at murky. So uh, <laughs> when we come back and we do an update on this, I'm going to expect uh, maybe just a little bit more uh, clarity as the situation develops, but I know you'll be tracking it, so uh, we'll talk with you down the road. Yeah, I uh, would love to, and I also hope there will be a little more clarity here uh, before too long. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. And this episode of Heritage Explains is over. But before we go, I just wanted to thank you for hitting that five-star rating button. Thank you for leaving comments, and thank you for sharing us with your friends, your family, and on your social media sites. That really is the gold standard for us, so it's not lost on us. Thank you once again. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes where we link to all the relevant info in this episode. As always, 
We can't wait to upload the next episode Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll catch you then. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Descher with editing by John Pop.